We're back. Happy New Year. Welcome to To The Tuga, the Everything Portuguese Soccer Podcast by the fans, for the fans. It is the very first one of 2022. Christian, Mitch, I'm Kevin. Thank you so much as always for joining us. Uh, boys, Happy New Year. How were the holidays? It was good. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Uh, I got a new dog, which is pretty exciting. That's, Excellent. that's why I look so tired right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah other than that, then yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, it's been good, man. Happy New Year, guys. It's good to be back. We miss doing this, so lots to talk about. I want to yeah. jump into it. Well, I know that you can see that smile on Mitch's face, and that's because there was a big change in Benfica land. But, uh, <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Um, let's start off, though, uh, Liga Portugal. Um, before we get to uh, what's going on with Benfica, uh, it has been a, a big week. So we're going to kind of jump around here, okay, Because simply because it's been a little bit since we've kind of done this podcast here due to Christmas holidays and so forth. Um, so let's talk about this week specifically. That also then brings us up to um, the halfway point of the season, and then that's when we can kind of talk about the derbies that have happened and so forth, all right? So let's talk about this week specifically and uh, FC Porto suddenly find themselves in the driver's seat, but they didn't do it easy. They were down 2-0 to Istoril, and they came back to win 3-2. They're now in first place, whereas Sporting dropped points uh, in uh, Santa against Santa Clara. Always difficult to get points uh, when you head out to the Azores, um, but uh, uh, um, a missed opportunity there for Sporting. Um, so I guess when we take a look at that, we're halfway point, a point of the season. Should we be hitting the panic button for Sporting? Conversely, is Porto looking pretty good right now? Uh, well, Sporting, as all teams are going through this right now, we had a lot of issues with their back line. Actually, uh, against that um, Santa Clara game, they were able to score three goals against us, something that hasn't happened since the last time we played uh not the last time, last year when we played Bifica at Deleuze. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and it goes to show that Poku's out, Inacio's out, Vidal's out. You know, it's not an excuse. Like, we should have more depth. We should be winning. I'm just saying that you could tell that something you brought up early on in the year is the depth issue. And we have a little bit of a few holes. Like, Natu isn't good enough, in my opinion, to to play for us. He He was horrendous. And... My God, was this guy you bad? Uh, all three goals came from his side, and I, I don't, I don't agree with this export. But I guess some of the people went and uh, attacked him on social media, saying that go back to Braga and stuff. I, I condemn that. I know there's a lot of hotheads uh, after the game, given how important that game was. But mm -hmm. you know what? Hat, hats off to uh, Santa Clara. We we talked a lot about them surprisingly at the beginning of the years, talking about how great of a team they are and. They're finally coming around. They actually have some real quality players. Mainly one player that stands out. He's actually on my FIFA team. Uh, Lincoln. Lincoln yeah. He is a special, special player. Yeah. And yeah, honestly, like they did deserve it. But I got to say, I think even Mitch can agree to this. That was one of the best games I've seen all year is back-to-back -back yeah, open. And I love seeing that in the Portuguese League. Uh, like, typically, we're used to teams sitting back, you know, uh, playing anti jogo Laying on the ground, wasting time, you know. But hats off to Santa Clara, man. They they uh, went attack, attack with us, and honestly, they deserve to win. How much of an impact do you think it was not having Ruben Amorim on the bench? Honestly, that's yeah, good thing you brought that up as uh, sort of slip of mind. But yeah, he's super, super important. Uh, there was a thing I was reading. It was like when you see Ruben Amorim squatting on the sidelines, thinking it's dangerous time for the other team because. Yeah, his his importance, his his leadership, what he implements to the team, his presence, it's it's huge, and we've seen it, especially when the, his backup coach is twenty five years old. Yeah, Mitch, what were you doing at twenty five? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, all jokes aside, Santa Clara played great. They uh, they deserve to be higher in the standings. The way they played, they they have some real quality players. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, FC Porto and Istoril here? Because like Port was. My goodness, uh, they looked like they were in big-time trouble, but they were managed to pull it off. So, I mean, again, we've talked about this in the past. You can't afford to drop points in games that, in theory, you should win. That's not to take away Stuttgart. They're sitting in fifth place right now. They're having a pretty good season. Um, um, but, uh, you know, this is, uh, uh, you know, Porto did what they had to do, and that's the problem with sports and losing to, to Santa Clara because, quite frankly, 
you know, this puts uh, all the pressure now. Well, I, I would suppose all the pressure now is on Porto because they can't afford to, to you know, drop points now. Yeah, well, honestly, if you look at it, Sporting still, it's in their hands to win the league. We still got to play Porto. I'm not saying anything in theory. It's not easy to win in the league. I'm not saying we are, but I'm still saying that if we win every game on paper, we will be champions. So it's still in our hands, but you know what? Hats off to Porto. They uh, they came on the second half full of energy, and you could feel it from the first few minutes. You knew uh, Ixterville was in trouble. Uh, and there's one player I got to highlight that is absolutely unreal. Uh, no question. I think we can all agree that Luis Diaz is the best player in the Portuguese league right now. Best player in Portuguese league. Right yeah, all day, all day. He has a price tag of seventy-two million. I think that's. that's I think grossly that's grossly underrated. Grossly underrated, especially a guy like Grealish going for hundred million. Yeah. That's you know a flop, given to Manchester City standards. Buddy, Luis Diaz. You know what? You don't see too many wingers doing what he's doing, scoring, yeah. setting up. That guy's so dangerous. He was the main reason why they, they did that Gia Volta, which they call it in Portugal. But that being said, uh, there was a very, very questionable call uh, against because Estudio made it 3-1. And, you know, and let's all take off our, uh, you know, we're all biased towards <laughs> our teams. But I'm sure even Porto fans can agree that that was a very, very questionable call. So here's the thing with that call. And, and, and I've looked at it many times. Um, and, and even the Estoril coach after the game talked about who come top and clean up in the park and talked about it there being some really questionable calls, that being one of them. When I see that play, I actually don't see a foul on even Nielsen. I see the foul on Tedemi. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, the, the, they say that the, the foul was on even Nielsen because of a push in the back, but I see... What I see is, I think it was one of the center backs from Estoril. When he goes up, he basically elbows Tademi right, right in the head. And yeah. then Rui Font is right behind him, and he's the one that that puts the ball in the back of the yeah. net. So if if the foul was on Tademi, I completely agree. Now, the, the foul on 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 Ivan Ilsen is is a joke. And even Benfica, Benfica commented, because of course, you know, we've always got a comment on, on arbitrage in the, in the Liga. <laughs> but Benfica talked about uh, a goal that Isturil scored against Benfica, and there was very similar on that corner kick. It was the exact same type of play. It was a corner kick, and there was a push in the back of one of the Benfica players, and Isturil scored a goal, and the goal was allowed. But when they're when they're yeah, showing the foul, that. if you notice, when they're showing the foul of Ivan Nielsen, they quickly cut the shot to not show the the, the elbow on Tadami because. Oh. Because that is a foul, in my opinion. Now, I don't know. The referees haven't commented. Nobody's commented. I don't know why nobody's called out the foul on Tadami. But if, if I'm the the, the 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 refereeing team there and the, the VAR team, that to me is where the foul is. So I don't, yeah. know, I don't know where they're getting the, the foul you know what? on Ivan Nielsen. That, that is true. But honestly, the foul was on Ivan Nielsen. So what we can critique is the foul on Ivan Nielsen because that's what was determined. Yeah. So that being said... The foul on Ivan Nielsen, he the guy was slipping before. Yeah, yeah, and to take a to take a goal, usually in most sports, they usually try to favor the offensive player. So if they're gonna call a foul, especially now with VAR, they first it's goal, and then then they look at a potential foul. If it was mm -hmm. you know bad enough to mm -hmm. take away the goal, not vice versa. You don't the team doesn't score and look like okay, how can we take this goal away, yeah. so to speak? And honestly, that would have changed the game, it could have been a tie. Could have, you know, given it that was 3-2, it could have ended 3-3 instead of 3-2. But you know what? That being said, 4-2 did deserve to at they least get a point and win that the game. Way they, they, came out in the the way they came out in the second, take nothing away, they did really well. They played really well. And they played like a, like a championship team. That's Those are the games that, and you, you know, wins you leagues. You know, them coming out in the second half, and this is, we've talked about this lots how much we admire Sergio Conceição as a, as a mm -hmm. coach, all, all clubismos aside, what that man is able to do in the locker room and to rally his players every time is is phenomenal. And I think I think a lot of people underrate his ability to do that and to manage a dressing room and to get his players motivated. And you see it, you know, when a team is down to nothing, that that is where a coach, the the true ability of a coach, really comes 
comes to the forefront. You see whether a coach is is really capable of managing that dressing room when he, if he is able to get his players riled up to to make a comeback like he did. And you can see it, man. You saw, like you said, those players came out. It was a completely different team in the second half. So hats off to uh, to Conceição, of course. His son grabbing the, the the winner. I don't know if you guys remember. I think it was against the uh, team. Was it against where she she came on and scored a winner, and then it, and then there was a moment like this, and then it got it got called back for. for oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was tough. They're crying and stuff. <laughs> and they were both crying, and then it got called back. This but, time you know, got to celebrate. I, I think that's the beauty of the the Portuguese Liga right now is that we're we're seeing a shift in culture, right? You've got social you're starting to see that next generation of leaders really start to take take foot and take hold in the Portuguese league. And that's a great thing for Portuguese soccer. But then that takes us to Benfica where Jorge Jesus was brought in to be the savior, to help them, uh, you know, get back on top of the Portuguese league to see some European success. I mean, hey, all all critic criticism aside, he did lead them to the round of 16 in Champions League this year, which they still have to play. He won't see that through. Uh, but uh, a lot happened over that Christmas break. Jorge Jesus suddenly found himself on the outside looking in. He's no longer with Benfica. Uh, Mitch, what the heck happened? Oh, boy. So... <clears throat> I'm gonna when talking about Jesus, I gotta take this all the way back to uh when he was first brought on and and how he was brought on and who brought him on. So we all remember when when Bruno Lage left, which I I strongly disagreed with at the time. Uh, I think as fans, especially with Benfica, we can be a little bit too a little bit too demanding, a little bit too impatient with coaches. If we're not getting the immediate results, it's right away. It's the coach call for his head change. And and I think even at the time, Luis Filipe was a little bit reluctant to let Laj go. And I think it was a big mistake. Regardless, he left. And at the time, we have to kind of look at the, the climate that was around um, Luis Filipe presidency at the time. He was going to be Coming up for re-election, um, there was a lot of people who were starting to really um, dislike Vieta. Uh, there was a lot of background noise going on with with scandals. The Cartão Vermelho was being talked about. The email scandal was being talked about. So there was a lot of bad uh, kind of press going on behind Vieta. There was a lot of um, the club's fans and people who were, were wanting him out and and. I think at the time he felt like he needed to do something big, something drastic to get everyone behind him. And I think Vieta really at the time took advantage of Jorge Jesus' success in Brazil. And it, obviously his success in Brazil was widely celebrated uh, in Portugal. And, you know, it was a big deal when he won the, the, the Libertadores Cup and I think he kind of took advantage of the situation and the fame of Jorge Zuzia at the time to make a big statement. You know, he went to Brazil on a private jet to go get him. You know, it was a big show. And, and I think there was a lot of uh, strategy on his end um, to make that happen because I, I honestly don't know if it was the right move um, for Benfica at the time because, I you know, it's not like this is a brand new coach to the club. The guy was with us for so many years. We know all about George Zuzian, and what he brings to the team. And I think it was a lot more about, you know, making a big splashy show um, because then it was not only bringing George Zuz, it was, you know, not only are we going to bring George Zuz, the, you know, arguably the, the, the best Portuguese coach in the world right now because of what he did in, in Brazil, but now we're going to, we're going to invest, 110 million euros to give him a, an all-star team, a world-class team that that's going to make us competitive in Europe. And that was the big promise. It was like his, you know, that was his big, big statement, his big show in order to kind of secure his, his re-election. And Georges Zouge, obviously we all know what happened with, with Luis Flipieta. We all know what happened the first year that, that Georges Zouge was, was in front of the team. And I think, there was so many people against George Zuz, not not only because 
there's still a lot of open wounds from when he left Benfica to Sporting all those years ago. But I think there's also a lot of um, fans and people within the association who still associate George Zouge with the Luis Felipe Vieira era and, and that whole thing. And, and I think it didn't really matter, um, you know, because if you look, his results, and Kev made the comment, you know, he got us through through to the to the next round of the Champions League. I mean, the results were, were not necessarily the worst ever, but he did not have the support, the full support of the fans and, and the association behind him just because of the era, I think, that he represented and, okay, but, and all but, of that. But I want I want to jump in there, though, because you're right. He It was definitely mixed feelings. It was definitely the old guard versus new guard. But then you have, you know, this picture. I mean, when do you ever see a coach leave and then literally holding a news conference on his way out and then hugging the team president in an emotional moment? Like, obviously, this it, it almost seemed as if this was a decision that Rui Costa didn't want to make but was kind of forced into making. For sure. And this goes back to what I was saying. Rui Costa was a big part of, of George Zouche coming to Benfica in the first place. Uh, even though Rui Costa took over for, for Luis Felipe Vieira, he was still very involved um, with, with bringing Jorge Zuz there. And, and they had a very good relationship. Again, I think this came down to, number one, there was a lot of people who did not like Jorge Zuz being there because of what he represented in terms of a, a, a past with Luis Felipe Vieira. And you have to remember that, that he, uh, even though he did get us to this next round of the Champions League, where we are, I think, seven seven points off. If we win today, I think we're still four, seven points four, off. Seven from first, four from second. Four from second uh, off for the first place. And we, we downed three derbies in one month, man. We lost to Sporting. We lost twice to Port all in one month. No. I mean, well, he wasn't there for one of the games, but he lost to, to Sporting and then lost to Port and 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 badly. Like it, the both games, we played very poor. Like we were outclassed by a country mile. Like it, it wasn't even close. Like especially the game with Sporting, man. It, it was so bad. And and you know, I think I think at that point, there's just no coming back from that. And be, especially when the coach is just not supported. And and I think there was. The locker room, we haven't even talked about this, but the locker room had a lot to do with it too. Yeah, I was just gonna bring that up. Like Man City is going through the same went through the same thing as uh Bifika is going through, where you know it's, the players are sort of quote unquote quote unquote uh taking over the locker room, uh where they, they always blame the coach. And I know George Juge is who he is, but uh Peasy, uh from what I'm hearing and what we're reading is one of the main reasons why he's not there. He had a fallen out with George Juge. Uh, George Juge told him where to go, and the players backed Peasy. And they, I, I'm, I'm probably not telling the story 100%, but from pretty much what I'm gathering is that the players pretty much we know, didn't want to play for the coach. Anymore. We know that there's, there's in Bifica, there's a group of Portuguese players that, that pull a lot of weight in that dressing room, and that's Peasy, Andrea Almeida, and Rafa. Those yeah. three, they, they kind of call them the Portuguese cartel of, of the Benfica squad. And they hold a lot of, they pull a lot of weight because of the amount of years that they have with the club. And this all comes down to a coach. When we talk about a coach coming in, he really needs to know how to manage the egos of, of a team. And, and, and we've talked about this before, about George Zouge, that old style of screaming at his players. And, and we know he's, he flies off the handle very easily. And that, that, that whole style of coaching just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. You got to remember when a coach comes into any, and this is, this is with any team. When a coach comes into a team, a big team, especially most of the times, You've got guys there who are making three, four, five times what what the coach is making. You, you've got egos there where they understand that regardless of how the team plays, the coach is the one who's always, always on the line. No matter how bad the team plays, no matter how much it may be the player's fault, at the end of the day, the coach's head is the one that's on the chopping block, not theirs. Nobody's going to get their contract cut because they lost three or four games in a row. So well, the coach, depends, but yes, 
you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's 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 so the the power that the players yield, and I think the players have started to understand this that you know they're not going to sit there and be talked to like a like a freaking grade five student. You know, th there needs to be a, a a mutual respect there. There needs to be someone who who talks to the players, not at them or down to them. Because if you if you're not able to manage those personalities in the right way, it's very easy for the players to to make your life a living hell for as a, as a coach. So I think this this old school mentality of of coaches who who are you know uh, very authoritarian and and you know talk talk down to the players and talk at them and scream at them, you can't coach like that anymore because the players have realized how much power they actually have in the dressing room. And they can very quickly turn a, a dressing room, especially if a core group of players like like PZ, Andre Almeida, and, and Rafa, they can quickly turn a, a dressing room against against the coach. But I think George Zouz did it to himself. I, I'm not I'm not one of those that's blaming PZ here, or 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 the other guys. I honestly think he did it to himself because you saw many a times George Zouz fly off the handle with his players on the field. And I'll never forget, I believe it was it was one of the Champions League games. I think it was the one against Bayern Munich where he flew off the hand at Gilberto and Gilberto picked up the ball and smacked it towards him and, and told him to, to F off. So I think he does it to himself. And, and we talked about this before. If he continued to manage in that style, you're not going to get the players behind you. And, and it's different, man, because, you know, you didn't talk about a guy like Serge Conceição because he's very similar in terms of that 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 kind of aggression and and that way, but but he's then able to to band them together, and it's 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 a different. It's got to be a different mentality. Yes, you're you're right. There there is a different mentality. Uh, really quick breaking news: one one Maritimo Portimonense with ten minutes to go. Uh, so that's an update in the Premier League. Um, you're right though, because with Sergio Conceição, very he is he demands. A lot and he has high expectations but he does it with the respect of his players because he's still he's still not that that far removed from being a player himself so he still understands what it what you need whereas the old guard you know guys like jose Mourinho, guys like george jesus guys like well sir alex ferguson quite frankly you know back in the day they see it as i am the boss i am the king these are my rules. This is what you're going to do. And just trust me, we'll get the job done. But that respect level isn't necessarily there. And that's the difference with Sergio Conceição and, and Jorge Jesus there because he's still. Yeah. Exactly. A thousand yeah. percent. Well, uh, you brought up Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, a lot of the things that happened in his locker room was from his captain. So he, he chose the right captain to do. A lot of that work for him. I'm sure you guys know Roy Keane is literally fighting guys in the locker room and, you know, like that kind of mentality. But it came from the players and the team and the captain. So, it, like you said, with Conceição compared to George Jus, it's all about getting the respect of the team. You can be that sort of totalitarian kind of guy, but it has to come off in the right way. Mm -hmm. Where I feel like George Jus, he's really egotistical. It's a lot about him. I won. They didn't win because they didn't do what I said. Me, me, me. Whereas, like a guy like Ruben Amorim, he always protects his players, always puts everything on him, always talks about the players, always calms down expectations. Uh, and speaking of Ruben Amorim, I don't know if you guys uh, know this, but uh, Ruben Amorim beat um, Jose Mourinho's winning percentage this in the this, since he's been at Sporting. Mm -hmm. So, do you know what uh, Jose Mourinho's winning percentage was when he won the Champions League with Porto? His winning percentage was 72% wins since since he was there. Mm -hmm. And that's the year that they won the Champions League. You know who Ruben Amorim's is? 76%. So the guy's a special coach. And you know what? Clubivs aside, we all know that he's a special yeah. coach. And we all know that it's a matter of time before he leaves. Yeah. We're just, you know, as sporting fans are, you know, trying to hold him down with everything. Yeah. Strap him down, pay him, whatever. But... I mean, it's inevitable. He's he's a very special coach, and it's he's that that kind of guy. Like you, you touched, he's the reason why I think he's doing so good and so successful is because he's sort of that new age coach, where he's a player manager, also a, a tactician. And this goes back to what I was talking about: why I was so upset when Bruno Lage left, because I felt that Bruno Lage was that type of coach. Yes. He was a guy that came from the 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 
you know, the youth, the youth level, he knew the players at a different level. And I've, I, and we're seeing now with what he's doing with Wolves that he he's in that caliber as well. I mean, he was elected, I think top 50 manager of the year. Um, one of the top 50 managers of the year and, and it's for a reason. And I think a lot of people, um, have the same thought as I do that had you given Bruno Lage the same money and the same budget that you gave George Zeus to build a team, where would be if he could be today? I don't know, but but I, I believe we'd so, be a lot better off than we were, where we are. I'll tell you that right now. So that brings the question where does Benfica go from here in terms of, I mean, you look at this season, they're going into today's game, they're 10 points back of first. I mean, it, this season almost seems to be a little bit of a write-off. I mean, we're at the halfway point. Lots can change, but quite frankly, the season's pretty much a write-off. You still have the Champions League where you can focus and still try and do a good run. But looking forward, what does Hui Costa have to – who is he looking for? Who are some of the managers that they could look at? When, again, we've talked about this ad nauseum today. Sergio Concesão, Ruben Amorim. Where is Benfica's next manager? How does that person fit in there? Because that's the gold standard. That's what you want to see. You need a new generation of a manager. Who is that person for Benfica? Well, right now we've got Nelson Bonissimo who was looking after the B team. Um, you know, I guess, you know, he, he's going to be there apparently till, till the end of the season. Um, I really personally feel like we should try and go after Belfreda. To me, Abel Freire right now is 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 that is that next name when we talk about Sergio Conceição, Ruben Amorim. I think, in terms of young former players that are doing big things right now. I mean, we talk about how good and how famous George Zouge was when he was at in Brazil with Flamengo. Well, Abel Freire won the Copa Libertadores twice in a row. Uh, he's won the 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 Brazilian league. Like, I mean, he arguably did a better job or has done a better job in Brazil than, than even George Jesus did. So, I mean, to, to look at any other coach right now that is doing big things and is at the caliber that I feel could make a huge impact with Benfica, I think it's a Belfreda. I think that's, that would be our number one choice. Outside of that, there's other Portuguese coaches who are available right now. This is available. Paulo Fonseca. I'm not big fans of either to come to Benfica. I don't think that either even would. Um, we all obviously know that uh, is, is a big Portista. I don't know that he would go. I mean, if the money's right, it doesn't really matter, but uh, I, I can't see him there. Um, so I don't know. I, th I think Rui Costa's got to do some some homework. There was talks about Andrea Pirlo coming in. No. I don't I think that that's a good move. <laughs> I think that would be horrible. I think that would be horrible for the team, to be honest with you. Um, I think the number one, co the number one and, and I would say almost the only option right now is we need Abel Freire. That, that seems to me like the obvious, obvious choice. Uh, I think there's another name there too. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. But uh, Abel Freire, he's a great coach. And I actually mentioned that with you. We talked about it, that that would be also my next coach in line. But uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but he's also a pretty big hothead too. Yeah, he he's a lot like uh, Conceição. He wears his heart on his sleeve. So you know, Rich, uh, Rich Ferreira watching. Thanks for uh, tuning in, my friend. Uh, actually, we have a, quite a few uh, of viewers in right now. Uh, Jonathan uh, Chabichota, who is a regular viewer. Uh, but Rich makes a good point here. Uh, Abel's a nice candidate, but I prefer a German or English to crank up the fitness and toughness. You know, you're not wrong. He's not wrong with that. Yeah, no, for sure. It's just, but it's just tough to to get in a, a somebody from the that's Germ, uh, German or English because they don't really know the league, and there's always a transition period. It's not that they can't do well. So there's yeah. other coaches that done well, but I feel like that there's a transition period, and I don't know if Bifik is in the the right spot to uh, you know have that transition period. It's win now at Bifika. but uh, another candidate, which you know what, looking at it, I think he's right up there with Abel Feda is Peppa. Peppa is a really, really good coach. He's coaching Guimaraes. He did really well. I think he was at Pass before. Pastors was lighting it up. I think he's a very fantastic coach. For me, it would be, uh, in my first opinion, be a Belfred or a Peppa. Yeah, that's like, actually, I didn't even think about Peppa. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a fantastic Be coach. Former Befica player. Exactly. Yeah. Befica player knows what the team's all about. I think he'd be a, a really big candidate too. So we'll have to wait and see what uh, magic Rui Costa can pull out of his bag of tricks. 
if there's anyone that could get the job, I'm a big Rui Costa fan, so I'm confident that he'll be able to make the right decision for Benfica, which, hey, it just makes the Portuguese Liga that much more uh, interesting next year. But uh, let's stick with this year, Champions League and Europe, round of 16. We've got the draw, and whew, the draw was controversial to say the least. So let's talk about the current matchups first, then we can talk about what else happened there. Uh, but as of right now, it will be Sporting versus Manchester City. Very difficult draw for Sporting. Uh, February 15th and March 9th of the two legs. Benfica, well, they get paired up with Ajax February 23rd and March 15th. The one thing, the wild card in all of this, I will say, is the COVID factor. Because at any time, COVID could end up causing a problem. You could get players out, you know, uh, you know, key players on the protocol list and so forth. That can change the projection. But let's take that aside because we can't predict the future on that aspect. Looking at lineups, rosters, what we know, Sporting Manchester City, Benfica versus Ajax. Are there any hopes, any chances that uh, the Portuguese teams uh, move on to the next round? There's always a chance. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys seen this, but uh, that they came out in 2021 showing, uh, and again, they're different leagues, different calibers. I'm not saying that they're on on par or anything. It's not my point. We all know they're not. But uh, top 10 teams in Europe uh, last last year, 2021. And the two teams with the highest percentages of wins in Europe was one, Manchester City, two, uh, Sporting. So it's, it's ironic how that happened, but yeah, like there's always a chance, but you know, Manchester City, I think we can all agree is the best team in the world right now, loaded with depth. I think that COVID could run through there like crazy and they'll still put <laughs> out a crazy team. So yeah, obviously uh, the odds are not in our favor, but it wouldn't be the first time we knock out uh, Manchester City out of, out of Europe. Uh, we played them a few years back. I'm not sure if you guys remember. Again, different teams, different eras, different players. But they were also Van City. They had crazy team, not as good as now. We all know that, but still heavily favored, and we managed to get through. So that being said, there's a chance, but it is a very slim chance. Okay, and what about Benfica Ajax? Like Christian said, there's always a chance. Uh, obviously, with Benfica, I, I would actually probably say, you know, Sporting might have a better chance of getting through Man City than Benfica does Ajax. Just, I think the team's damaged right now um you know we're 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 weak there's a lot of weaknesses uh, in Benfica's team right now and you know the way Ajax played um in the group stages man they, they look like one of the best teams in in the Champions League um so I think Benfica's gonna have a very very difficult time with Ajax it's it's a team that's coached by arguably one of the best coaches right yeah. now in, in in the world in my opinion um, you know, his stock is extremely high. So I, I, man, it's, it's, my hopes are not high. Uh, of course, I'm going to be cheering and, and, and I hope it goes well, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think he's so, going to have a very tough time getting by. Yeah, so by as of right now, and I mean, surely the, uh, the Portuguese league is going to change, uh, move the schedule or whatever, but I mean, you have sporting Manchester city set up for about February 15th. Uh, you've got uh, Porto in the Europa League round of 16. They've got a matchup against Lazio. That's February 17th. Uh, as of right now, though, February 13th, Porto Sporting in the Portuguese Liga. So if you're sporting and you have Manchester City and you know that that's going to be an uphill battle, but you've also got the key game against Porto, do you do anything different? Do you approach it differently at all that first leg? Assuming that the games don't get moved around. I want to what, be, what is more important now? Uh, I think the writing's on the wall. It's the Porto Sporting. Uh, I think we can be the most rested team uh, in the world. They can have the masseuses there. You can be rested. <laughs> they can have their full 10 hours of sleep for going up against Manchester City. So it's, you know, it's going to be tough. Uh, so, yeah, all, all eyes on uh, Porto Sporting, given that, you know, our main, main goal, everything aside, is to continuously make the Champions League to you know continually grow the club financially you know we, we we don't have that much money uh so it's very important to us to continue making the champions league so well, jonathan makes a really good point here that you know yes i agree sporting will have a, a good chance but no matter what the outcome is it will be a great experience for the players to challenge a higher rated team and you're right to be the best you got to 
beat the, the best, you know, and that's how you get better is by constantly pushing yourself. And that's why Champions League is so important. So to Christian's point, yes, there is a point where you want to still make sure that you're constantly qualifying in Champions League because you want to still get those key games in there because the last thing you want is to miss out and then how are you getting better? How are you bettering yourself? How are you convincing players to want to keep playing on your team, right? That, that being said, Sporting has already grown a lot in the Champions League. Mm. If you look at the first game, talking about Ajax, we lost 5-1 in the first game. Uh, and again, no excuses here. We were down a lot of guys, a lot of situations happened, but fact is we got smashed. And uh, a lot of teams would have folded at that point, but no, they continued going with it. They grew. You could see them growing in the competition, even mm -hmm. a lot of the pundits and even the, the people you know commentating the game said that sporting grew the most in, the, in, in that their group they grew the most yeah. that year so yeah to touch up on that point growing going there getting their feet wet every single year it's just it's just a snowball effect and another thing johnny is one of the biggest manchester city fans i know <laughs> hats off to him because he still wants sporting to beat city even though he's a huge city fan but how do you uh, Johnny, you'll be getting your fifty bucks in the mail from Christian Dorn. <laughs> if you're Juvenal Mourinho, how do you like? How do you mentally prep your players for that game? Are you still like? Are you almost conceding, or or are you like? How do you mentally? How would you mentally prepare your team if you're Juvenal Mourinho? So game? I think those games, it's like a lot of like a, it's like a derby game. You don't have to prep the players for the big games. I yep. think most of, most of the prepping it goes with teams like Stade Clara, Studio. That's where you really got to go. I think people are always up for the Bifica Portus, Bifica Sportings, you know those kind of games. I think for City, I don't think he needs to say anything. Those players are going to be up for it. They're gonna they're gonna die on the field. Yeah. Uh, and given Uduman Amuni's track record, he's not going to change anything. He's going to play the same formation. You already know what his lineup's going to be. It's, I, I it's all think. Out there. I, I think the issue will be if if the Portuguese Liga does not change the schedule and you have that Porto Sporting game just days before the Manchester City game, I think the difficulty will be getting players fired up and playing 100%, pushing themselves to the max two games in a row and in such a short period of time. That might be the difficulty there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I do think, though, that, hey, the magic of Europe is that anything can happen. We saw it in the FA Cup yesterday. You know, there's, you know, teams that are in, like, three, four divisions down below pulling off upsets. That's the beauty of it. So anything can happen. Hopefully, Sporting can find some magic. But it will be interesting. I think the one thing, though, is as much as you have Sporting versus Manchester City, I actually preferred the first matchup. So for those of you who aren't familiar, Champions League, UEFA did their draw, and then there was a bit of controversy. There was, uh, um, I think it was the wrong ball drawn or whatever. Anyways, there was a technical issue, and there was a protest, and the draw was declared void, so they had to redo the draw. This is what the original draw looked like. I'm just going to pull this off here. Benfica was drawn against Real Madrid, and Sporting was drawn against Juventus. I'll be very honest with you. I think Sporting actually would have had a better chance against Juventus than they will against Manchester City. Um, but Benfica, I mean, they, well, they were in tough regardless of who it was going to be. Um, what, which draw would you guys prefer to have seen? The original or the one that we have now? The original all day. All day original. <laughs> and if you look at the very bottom there, I don't know if you guys noticed, it's a Ronaldo-Messi matchup yeah. too. I think this is the sexy draw, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Mitch there. Well, even even you know, you look at Real Madrid. You know, I think they they lost one of their games to to FC Sharif or whatever. Sharif. You know, they're they're a very beatable team, and I, and I think Benfica would have had a much better chance against Real Madrid than than we would have against Ajax. But it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, quick update. Quick update for you. In the uh, 90th, 92nd minute, Maritimo takes the 2-1 lead over Portimonense. Uh, so uh, that would move Maritimo uh, into ninth place with 20 points. And uh, so, anyways, uh, a middle of the uh, pack win there. Uh, before we get to Saji Stars, uh, Christian, I know you had some transfer rumors that you kind of wanted to talk about. 
Uh, yeah, uh, Luis Diaz has a huge transfer rumor to go to Liverpool. Uh, I think it's seventy-two million. Uh, yeah, and then also Newcastle. Newcastle, I'm sure you guys are aware, are in relegation zone. They're also richer than every single team in the Premier League combined. Yeah. So they're going to splash some money, and they're already got Trippier. I think Luis Diaz. I'm sure Porto is going to want to hold them in January, given them where they are. Uh, in the league, first place, but yeah, I could see him either going to uh, Newcastle or Liverpool. I think and, it'd be stupid for Porto to sell Luis Diaz at this point yeah. in the season. I think between now and the end of the season, his stock is only going to rise even higher. So for I sure. think not only do they need him uh, to see out the rest of the season, but I think yeah, I think value wise, he's he's only going to go up. His value is only going to go up uh, the longer he plays with with Porto. And I think honestly, uh, the way Porto is playing right now. Uh, it could have been potentially the best thing that could have happened to them was going to Europa League because I think FC Port right now, the way they're playing in Europa League, they have a very, very good chance at at potentially, you know, going to, you know, semifinals, finals, potentially even winning it yeah. the way they're playing right now. Yeah, so I think it could have been potentially the, the best thing that could have happened to them. And I think they, they need a player like Luis Diaz until the end of the season. And you know what? They they did well even without Luis Diaz. Yeah. They, I think they, they didn't have him in the derby, right? Yeah. They won, so... I mean, they have they have a great team, and they have uh, a lot we, of depth, man. There's a couple players there, and there's three, but two main ones that wasn't playing that we talked about very highly, which was Vitinha and Vieira. And Vieira, and they're starting to play, and they're honestly superstars. Yeah. Portu's building a great team right now. I think Wolves are kicking themselves that they let Vitinha go. Oh and yeah, that kid is is something special. special. You can see it. Yeah. You can see how special he is. I think Befik is kicking themselves for uh, not having Jota uh, back from Celtic. You know? <laughs> <Just>, uh, <laughs> I couldn't go an entire podcast without yeah. mentioning him. Come yeah, on. For sure, for sure. Come for on. Sure, sure. To be uh, fair, though, I would bring him back. They were talking about whether Befik is sell him or bring him back. I would bring him back because I think we need him right now. Yeah. He's going to be the future of the Portuguese national team. You heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> Saji Star of the Week presented by Saji Pair North America. Visit SajiPairNorthAmerica.com for more information. Uh, it is a great quality product and fantastic customer service. I am not biased uh, on that. And I think Mitch isn't either. Uh, Saji Star of the Week. Uh, let's start with you, Christian. Who do you got? Yeah, we just matched him and, you know, lined it up perfectly. Um with what I was talking about, I, I picked Luis Diaz. Um, you know what? All Clubismo aside, uh, we could see that he's a, a very, very special player. I was actually talking with one of my really good friends, Kevin, Kevin Gerald's about it. And uh, we were actually saying that in his position, not only is he the, one of the best players in the Portuguese league, he's potentially in his position, one of the best players in the world right now. You don't see any, very many wingers uh, in the world right now. There is some, but not very many doing what he's doing right now like you really if you guys haven't seen watch the highlights of what this guy did in the last game pretty much single-handedly carrying Porto, driving the momentum went through them making huge passes huge plays huge goals uh honestly very very special player i think the day that he became very special or the the time frame became very special was when in the copa america copa america he had a, a fantastic Fantastic tournament, great player. Ricky, Messi's, Ricky was saying exaggeration, but we were playing pro clubs, and that's where it came up. My pro club, uh, we almost—he's almost the captain of our team. He's always yelling on the mic, but yeah, my pro clubs uh, teammates, Ricky. Uh, yeah, we talked about it, and yeah, that's that's my personal opinion. A couple other people share it, but yeah, he's my side. She started like, and you know what? You your prediction of him going to Liverpool, I think, makes a lot of sense because Jurgen Klopp has mentioned many times what an admirer he is of the Portuguese league, how much of the Portuguese league he actually watches. So I think he's very, very attentive to to the players and the, the talent coming out of the, the, the Portuguese league. So that would make yeah. sense. Uh, Christian, quick here from uh, Rich, a nice player, arguably the best in the Portuguese league, but has he really been put to the test? Uh, he, like I said, he had a great Copa America against fantastic teams. I know that's such a small window, and it's I, I could agree that he hasn't played in the in the Prem yet. But man, like you, we know, we know the game. We watched the game in since we were little kids. You know when you see a special player. Yeah. Doesn't matter if they're playing in wherever. You, you just know. You can see how they play, how they read the game, what they bring to the team. You could just see a special player there. So. Yeah. 
you know, uh, on this podcast, we have two sporting fans. We have a Benfica fan, and of course, we're all Portugal fans. Uh, but we are showing a lot of love to FC Porto today, and I'm going to continue that love with my easy, easy. Uh, with my start of the week. I'm giving it to <laughs> Francisco Conceição, uh, and, and why not? You know, 19 years old gets uh, one of the biggest goals of his young career, and of course, he gets it with a big hug from his proud dad, Sergio. Uh, I mean, this kid is he's turning into be something pretty special. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how his career progresses. And, and that's the beauty of all of this, guys, is we are seeing, you know, everyone looked, people who aren't familiar with, with Portuguese soccer, everyone just always like, oh, it's all about Ronaldo. It's all about Ronaldo. They're, they're nothing without Cristiano Ronaldo. Man, we are seeing some great young Portuguese soccer players come up the, the ranks. And honestly, when the day comes, and it will be coming a lot sooner than we realize, when Cristiano Ronaldo hangs up his boots from international play, man, I'm really excited for this next generation. We've seen the golden generation. We've seen the Ronaldo era. You know, looking forward to this next generation. I really think that the future is bright for the Portuguese uh, for Portuguese soccer and the national team when you've got the likes of, you know, Conceição, of course, you've got Bruno Fernandes, and, and, and you know, the list goes on and on. you got Jota from Celtic, of course, again, second mention, drink. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, it, it's very exciting to see what happens there. Mitch, uh, who is your Saji star of the week? I went with uh, Rafael Leo. You know. Oh, my God. As a, you know, ode to my uh, Sportingistas, because I know how much you guys uh, love him. Uh, but honestly, this guy, um, I don't know if you guys watched his performance against Roma. He came off the bench. Uh, the guy scored a, a beautiful goal. Um, he bagged another two assists today in his in his game. And the guy, to me, right now is one of the standout Portuguese players um, in the world. He, he is looking very good. Stefano Pioli, the, the coach of AC Milan, actually uh, made comparisons uh, with Rafael Leon to Thierry Henry this wow. week in a press conference. He said, uh, you know, his he reminds him a lot of, of a young Thierry Henry. And I think those kind of comparisons are, are huge. And AC Milan's in the first place right now in the Serie A. And Rafael Leon was a big, big part of that that team. And, and I think he is going to be a, he already is a big player and I think he's going to get better and better as long as he keeps a good head on his shoulders and he continues a high work rate. Uh, this kid could be a big, big deal for, for all, not only in, in, in club football, but, but for this last in the future, he could be a massive, massive player for us. So I'm excited to see. Oh, Rich says versus him. Turkey. Absolutely. I mean, I think Starting he deserves it. Turkey. So I, I, I got to say something. Uh, I know Rafael Leon, you know, doing great, but I could have put money on that your Saggi star of the week would have been Bruno Carvalho. That's absolutely <laughs> killing it on you see big the smile. But you know what? Can <laughs> we just take a second? On Big Brother Portugal, this guy's lighting it up there. I think he's gonna win it. You know I what, think... man? I have I have and everybody knows how how not a fan I am of Bruno Carvalho in the past because of of you know certain things. But let me tell you, man, his performance on Big Brother, I have become such a Brun Carvalho fan. This hey. guy oh, yes. makes oh. me laugh. I wish he was still the, co uh, the president of Sporting, just, just for, if nothing else, an entertainment factor. That guy makes me fucking laugh. He is hilarious. And I hope he wins Big Brother. I really do. And he's great on the banjo or whatever. That, whatever the that, ukulele, uh, I should say. <laughs> I don't know if you guys see the ukulele video, but man, he is—he's actually a funny dude, man. He, he really is. He's hilarious. Him yeah. and Mario Jardel on, yeah, yeah. on, uh, on Portugal Big Brother. It's it's been it's been fun to watch. Yeah, it makes me laugh. Oh, there he is! There he is! <laughs> there he is! Oh, with his great. bright bright neon yellow. Uh, his dance moves. Playing the ukulele or whatever. <laughs> what a, what a time to be alive! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'm going to mention a special Saji star mention, uh, and we've talked about him in the past. Uh, George Braz, he's been nominated again to be the top futsal manager in the world. This would be his fourth straight uh, win if he gets it. Certainly has done a terrific job with the Portuguese futsal team. And Mitch, like you said, he's an Edmonton boy. He is, yeah. Yeah, from Edmonton. So great to see that. Great to see that. So... Pretty exciting uh, for that. So that kind of wraps up uh, stuff today. Any final thoughts from you guys? Uh, yeah. Um, 
I'm hoping for other a good than Sporting is good, Benfica is bad. We're uh, lining up for a good 2022. Yeah, there's lots to There's so much going on right now. We didn't even talk. Just quickly, uh, special mentions to João Moutinho, 35 years old, and he's still creating magic in, in arguably the best league in the world. The goal he scored against the, the winning goal he scored against Man United was phenomenal. I love I love seeing that little engine. He's literally, literally this little engine that just seems like he never slows down, man. So big shout out to João Moutinho and uh, Daniel Pudens also with Wolves, who I think uh, is playing lights out right now. He uh, I was just looking, he scored another two goals uh, for Wolves today against Sheffield United in the FA Cup. I think he's playing very well. I think he's somebody for us to watch out for uh, to come into the slice zone in the next few games because he's playing very, very well. And I think we need tricky little wingers like that to come yeah. in and, and potentially bring some magic to the team. And and I'm going to say another big shout out to Bruno Lage because uh, he's doing a great job with, with Wolves. Yeah, uh, to add on to that, um, another guy, and we've been a little hectic on him a little bit, and I, in my opinion, rightfully so, is uh, Bernard Silva. Uh, you could argue that you know he's one of the best players, if not the best player in the Premier League right now. Yeah. Uh, but again, we say it, and I'm not going to dive into it. <laughs> I just hope these guys show up in the national team. That's, 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 for, another podcast. that's for another podcast. <laughs> that's that's, well, I, you know what, but, what else is up for another podcast? Because, you know, I, as we get on, you know, there's we'll need uh, certain things and certain issues to debate and talk about. Uh, you know, rumor has it that Mitch got a Portuguese uh, soccer monopoly game uh, wow. for Christmas. And uh, the interesting <laughs> thing with that is... I want to take a look at all the spots. So, of course, Cristiano Ronaldo is the boardwalk spot. He's, you know, he's your top property. Where does <laughs> everyone else fit? And who would you have as the cheapest property when you look at Portuguese national team players? And it goes through all time in history. So, I think that'll be pretty fun to kind of look into that. Uh, <laughs> see where uh, where uh, Pedro Poleta fits in. Does he even make the cut? Nuno uh, Gomes, does he make the cut? I don't know. Uh, you know, does Eder make the cut? Even his big goal. Ethers on Baltic Ave, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Christian, Mitch, I'm Kevin. Thank you so much for tuning into the first to the Tuga, the Everything Portuguese Soccer Podcast of 2022. We have so much to talk about. We look forward to doing this again next week. Tune in, have fun, send us a li- uh, drop us a line, send us some messages. Thank you so much for watching, and uh, we will talk soon. Have a good one, everyone. Okay.